The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host or guest. The, the opinions expressed on this program are those of the host or guest and should not be interpreted as statement of fact. The, opi- the, the, the independent the, 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 fact checking and corrections are encouraged. Can we get a cup of coffee in here, please? Oh no! Not a show. Ah, not a damn show. Damn show. Damn good coffee and hot. Wake up, America. You've got a dog that needs walking. That's right, sunshine. Just put on a big pot of strong coffee and get ready to type your little hate mail with your opinions about Kumbaya and flat earth insanity. Stand-up comedy? You want stand-up comedy? Well, we got, well, we've got sit-down comedy. It's time for Coffee with the Dog. You make me laugh. I don't. I, I don't make you laugh. Well, I might make you. Maybe you're laughing at me. Maybe you're laughing at me. Uh-huh. I'm not loving this lighting situation either. I have a feeling. Well, I don't have a feeling. I got a feeling. Feeling deep inside. Oh, yeah. That's the Anyway, I got a feeling. I'm not loving it. I am not loving it at all. Good morning, folks. Oh, yes, it's morning. It's Wednesday, right? Because I missed Tuesday. I apologize for that. Uh, Life gets in the way sometimes. And yesterday was one of those days where life got in the way. If you're wondering, you know what? This could be the problem. It's glasses. I don't have my regular glasses. I lost my signature. Gla- I left my signature glasses at a gig at the Northport uh, VA yesterday. I will be retrieving them. But in the meantime, I got these messed up little glasses. They make me look weird. Well, not that I don't look weird anyway. I look weird to begin with. But these are, I just not, I just not loving them. And maybe that's, I'm not seeing things all that clearly so uh maybe that's why the the, um lighting is off anyway yesterday i did have a uh performance at northport va in the room where i once played a man to his final resting place uh which if you don't know that story maybe i'll relate at uh some other point maybe in this program who knows i don't know where we're going Want to tell you about Jackie? Is the documentary is coming out Tuesday? There is a link. Um, it's a simple link. It's a very simple link to where you can pre-order it. It's Jenny US slash Joke Man. Can check that out. Uh, Jackie's documentary, and he's going to be dishing a lot of dirt in this documentary. I mean, fighting back. Jackie's not necessarily the kind of guy who pushed back at Stern too much. But there are a lot of people, some of them I don't like, <laughs> Anthony Cumia uh, being one in this thing, who are just kind of leveling uh, Howard Stern out a little bit uh, for his abuse of Jackie over the years and the perception that Stern was funny. Now, 
Here's the thing. Stern, people who claim that Stern is funny, go back to the time when Jackie left the show before Artie got on the show and listen to some, listen to anything in that period. There's no fucking laughs. Not one laugh. Without Jackie, without Artie, Stern was lost. That's my contention. And there's plenty of proof of that. Go back and find that time between, and I don't know the exact year, uh, but when Jackie left and when Artie started, there was a gap of about four months in there. And you can listen to it and you can find out. Stern wasn't funny on, on his own. So the Jackie uh, documentary uh, is coming out Tuesday. You want to see that if you're a Stern fan, if you're you know you're interested in the history of how we got to here. Because you know what the Howard Stern show was very instrumental in how we got to here. Stern was um, really. Um, riding on the coattails of Don Imus. And I know, you know, Don Imus did not leave a very happy legacy. People um, not not happy with him when he passed. But to me, he was very influential to me. I mean, he was the reason I wanted to get into radio. I loved uh, the Imus in the morning program. Growing up in the, you know, he was part of my my teenage years and my uh wanting to get into uh radio stern got on the same uh platform same station as i miss he was the afternoon guy when i miss was i miss in the morning and um was doing the same stuff so we got then uh opie came along and listen opie came along uh Boy, oh boy, it, you know, I you could be full of regrets. If you don't know, Opie started when I started in radio on the same, for the same company. He was on BAB, WBAB here in Long Island. WBAB, oh, stop it with you calling me. I'm not ready for phone calls. Um, WBAB was the AM FM station on Long Island in the 70s. Then, when I came along and was getting into radio, it split into two. AM and FM were two different divisions. Uh, same company. Hope he got the late night show on WBAB. I got the late night show on WNYG, which was the same company, but uh, the AM version uh, and I didn't really mind that because I was doing mostly talk and Stern and Imus were AM guys. So that's where I got my start. But it was a rival of uh, Opie's. And if not for my incident, I probably would have taken over when Opie moved to uh, WNEW in New York uh, and hooked up with Kumia. Uh, I, but shot myself in the foot with the uh with the very famous incident where i almost threw the television through the <laughs> control room window uh but so i'm just uh, trying to kind of backtrack to how we got to the opie and Ant anthony became sort of like the first bro drinking bros con uh podcast 
a bunch of comedies in like a morning zoo type of thing where too many comedians in one room just stepping on each other but it became extremely popular and that led to podcasting um so uh, this is how we got to where we are today. But, you know, tracing uh, the history of Stern, it's kind of important. If you're interested in um, where we are and how we got here, there's a lot to be learned from that documentary. Also, I want to let you know, Eddie Brill has just been added to Friday's show. So we have Mike Binder on uh, Friday morning, and that should be a little... It will be very uh, educational, probably more so for him. <laughs> now, <laughs> look at me with my fucking hubris here. Um, Mike Binder has uh, directed many films. He's a com- comedian with a history that goes back to the glory days of the comedy store. Uh, retired from stand-up to be a director and a filmmaker and actor. Uh, and like the Godfather, they pulled him back in. He's doing stand-up again now. He directed that uh, comedy do- comedy store uh, series special for Showtime, and he's only a year older than me. But something something has happened in the universe that makes a lot of people especially comedians which i'm i'm finding really disturbing um leaning way hard to the right way hard to the right and comedy has never done that never done that in the history of comedy but now it is we are seeing and mike is one of those people i'm i follow him on twitter and when i tell you uh he is definitely um lost sight of history as far as comedy and and comedy's role in uh, shaping the public discourse. So we're going to have a conversation about censorship and influence and all that kind of stuff and what it really means. And so it could be a little contentious. And then in the next hour, Eddie Brill, Eddie Brill, who is legendary comedy, Eddie Brill, uh, who he, uh, nearly four decades has entertained audience all over the globe. He is also a writer, actor, producer, host, storyteller, and mentor uh, to comics everywhere. For 17 years, he worked uh, for the Late Night Late Show with David Letterman as both the audience warm-up and stand-up talent coordinator. He was the guy who booked all the comedians for, uh, for Late Night with David Letterman. And that includes people like Mark Norman, Norman's very first uh uh, appearance uh, before it, anybody had known him, includes uh, Norm McDonald. People like that got their first shot on television because of Eddie Brill. Very cool stuff. Well, uh, Norm was actually on Star Search before Letterman, so maybe not his first shot on television, but his first shot on late night uh, television. Anyway, he will be with me Friday. He's got a show here. Next Tuesday night, the same night that Jackie's documentary is coming out, July 18th, I will be there. Uh, on Friday, we'll probably be giving away a couple of tickets to that, uh, to a caller or a somebody in the chat room. We'll probably do the old spin the wheel type of thing again. Um, Dan Madonia, I don't know Dan, is also on the bill Tuesday night. Um, 
at Sticks and Stones Comedy Club out here in South Ham. We are looking uh, for big things to happen at Sticks and Stones. And um, Eddie Pepitone and JT Habersat are going to be there in August. Uh, JT has uh, told me that he's going to get me some videos to promo that uh, from both him and JT uh, to play on the program. Uh, and we'll be starting to do that uh, next week. So I'm looking forward to all that stuff. So that Friday, good show. Mike Binder and Eddie Brill in the same show. Should be a good one. Tomorrow, uh, I have uh, quite a <laughs> interesting show for you. Um, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Tomorrow, uh, we have Laura Banks in the morning. Laura Banks is an actress uh comedian former stand-up comedian and improv comedian was on star trek she had a little uh go around with uh william shatner i guess was romantically um involved with, with shatner this should be an interesting <laughs> conversation about that now she's like an astrologer a an astrologer to the stars i guess uh, and I'm not big on astrology, and you, you probably know I, I kind of ridicule astrology. I mean, but so she'll be here in the first hour, and then uh, Jason Rowland from World Series of Comedy, World Series of Comedy uh, taking place in Boston this week. Jason will be uh, joining us from Boston from the World Series of Comedy. We're going to talk about because Jason does a lot of as his main business coaching. And giving feedback. Look, I'm being, I'm becoming Howie Mandel. Remember Howie with the hands? I'm doing that. I know you people on the radio side so can see that. Um, uh, so anyway, I just got word that uh, my glasses have been recovered. And now I have to take an hour and a half trip to go. Uh, cool. When is a good time? for him to come tomorrow to pick up the glasses uh, between 2 and 3.30. Yeah, that's fine. I think. <laughs> See, now I, I'm, I'm at a weird place in life where I don't have a car uh, because my wife's car has been in the shop since the day she was born. It feels like that. It's been... It should, about a month and a half now. And she's taking my car every day. And so I'm not sure I'm going to have my car back by tomorrow. I'll, I'll work it out, though. I got to go get my glasses. I can't wear these, like, these are not my glasses. You know my glasses. I got an, another pair coming from today of the round ones, the uh, Groucho Marx glasses. I need my Groucho Marx glasses. It's just who I am. It's my identity. Anyway, uh, so... Good show tomorrow. Good good show Friday. Really good show Friday, I think. And uh, we don't have a, a terrible one for you here today. Robert Taylor is going to be joining me in a moment. Uh, but right now, I want to play for you a very short piece from uh, Laurie. Shorter, I guess Laurie uh, didn't feel all that energetic this week. This is only a minute-long piece, but she's got a confession to make. Uh, oh, boy. Here's, here's Laurie's piece. I'm just, I'm. I'm just stuttering here. <laughs> it's morning, and uh, it's time. It's time for coffee uh, for uh, Weird Weirdful Wednesdays with Lori S. Strikingly. Hello. 
Hello everyone, it's Lori S. Strikingly Hilarious here with another episode of Weirdful Wednesdays. So I have a confession to make. I have implants. I don't know if you can tell here on the video, but it's tooth 18 and 19 right there. <laughs> I was behind a Subaru and the vanity plate said itchy, I-T-C-H-Y, and I thought, that's quite a legacy, but I would have expected it to be on a Forester. I think the premise for Meals on Wheels is a good one. However, do we really want seniors having to chase their dinner down? I've decided I'm just too old to kick anyone's butt anymore. I can't bend that far. Thanks. Bye. It feels like, uh, I don't know, maybe, um, <laughs> I don't want to say, <laughs> uh, maybe she's feeling like I am, a little burnt out, and so that was a quick one, but I appreciate uh, Lori's contributions. Lori S. Strikingly Hilarious, uh, we'll put her uh, links to her Facebook page uh, in the description. Follow her, encourage her, she's, um, she's based in Mesa, Arizona. Uh, so and and working out uh, beginning comedy out there, and uh, we're happy to have her contributing to the show. Vinny Vanelli's uh, piece will be uh, debuting next week. Vinny is doing some man on the street stuff. Uh, last week he was in New York City. That's the first one that will air next week, and then he's going to be doing something from Montreal. Uh, and we got you know things going on up there. And uh, Vinny's piece is basically uh, Canadian. American relations, Canadian knowledge of America, Canadian knowledge of America, and American knowledge of Canada. Uh, be surprised how little we know about our neighbors and how little they know about us. So uh, it's an amusing piece, and that will be debuting next Monday. Uh, Robert Taylor is a uh, contributor to the program. Is normal piece. Uh, <laughs> thank you for your service. Generally airs on Thursday, but we have a very full show tomorrow. So he's here with us now. Let's welcome. Larry, good morning. Sir. How are you? Hey, man, what's going on? Oh, you seem as like low energy too. Is, is, it, no. is it going around? No, I'm awake. <laughs> what's in what's new in your world? You you uh, you're posting some stuff. I saw uh, shows going on. What what's happening with you? Yeah, I got I got shows going on. I, I got uh, I connected with a booker up in North Carolina, actually over by your brother. Uh, this guy books like seven nights a week. Uh, North Carolina, Virginia, and uh, <clears throat> I connected with him about a month ago, and he sent me a list of um, shows that he had. I could only do like one or two, but then um, Sunday, he sent me a list for next month of like the entire month and said, which shows do you want to do on his list, man? And I picked like three or four shows off of there because I got other stuff going on, but that's cool. You get your yeah. pick. You get your pickers shows. That's good. I, yeah, nice. Yeah, good stuff. I picked a few over in uh, in the Raleigh Durham area to do over there uh, next month. In between 
See, I'm still waiting to hear back on some of those festivals. I'm in a few of them, but I got I don't know why they wait so late. Yeah. Let you know. Uh, uh World Series of Comedy is uh, in Boston this week. Have you heard from them at all? No. Oh, that, that starts tonight. Oh, it's it's yeah tonight. I I think tomorrow. Yeah, call but, right now. <laughs> so, so you're not you're not on. They don't. Did, what's the process there? They would contact you. There, is it like don't call us, we'll call you? Type no, of... no, no. What happens is, um, they have a cutoff date for when people can sign up for it, and then the next day after the cutoff day, or like 24 hours later, they post a list on the website. And it's supposed to be based on your ranking, based on your initial video that we talked about. Yeah. And if your name's on the list, you have 24 hours to confirm. And if you don't confirm, then they roll, keep going down the list. And they keep doing that up until they could still be doing it yesterday. You know, if somebody cancels out on them at the last minute or they had that happen in Texas. But usually, I think what I noticed, I mean, you can ask Jason, I'm not sure. It looked to me, when I was in Texas, I mean, it couldn't just be a coincidence that three people canceled and the three people that they replaced them with just happened to be from Texas. You know, which I understand why they did because they want to fill the show up with comics and no one's going to fly from halfway across the country on 24-hour notice. Right. You know, so they probably did the same thing up in Boston because there's a lot of comics on there from New York and Massachusetts. And they, you know, so what probably happens is if it's within the last few days and someone canceled, they probably just went with the highest ranking people from that region, I guess. I'm not sure. I'm, that's just my guess. Yeah. Uh, the New York thing, uh, Boston has enough. I, I don't think they're going to be drawing from New York city because there's enough opportunity in New York city. If you're, if you're good and you're out there working anyway, they, you, you know, why take a six hour drive when you don't have to? No, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of people on there from New York. Really? Yeah. If you look on the list, yeah, there's a lot of people on there. I haven't looked on the list. I will look on the list before tomorrow so I can uh, be a, sound like I know what the hell I'm talking about when Jason's on tomorrow. Yeah, they start tonight. So, uh, Ben Frank uh, has uh, booked a date, but not for a week now. Yeah, he goes. Um, he he's on. He's in the Boston show. I think he goes on Friday night. He. Uh... <laughs> He seemed like a lot of comedians because he asked what I had open next week, and all the day, all the days I had open next week were for nine fifteen slots, and you're like, well, what else you got? <laughs> and so he's on the week after uh, the Thursday, uh, two two a thir- uh, week from tomorrow, I guess, or two two weeks from tomorrow, the twenty seventh. He's on at ten fifteen, and he's just like most comics don't want to get up early. <laughs> yeah, the only thing I can think of was maybe he's uh he's on the road somewhere. No, he's back home. He's back home. It's it's a it's a time thing. It's like, uh, you know, I'd rather come on later if I could. You know what? You know that kind of that kind of brings me to something I was going to talk about anyway. You know, before before uh, podcasts and the way we have it now, they had to get their asses out of bed and do morning radio. They had to get out of their house and drive o'clock. to the station. Yeah, yeah. at six Why o'clock. Tell them. Yeah, but you can't do a you could do you could do a nine o'clock uh, Zoom cast from your bed. Right. You know, I actually have had comedians on from their bed. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean that just shows you 
That just shows you how soft yeah. it's gotten, you know. Oh, the Marine is uh, getting all uh, tough guy with the comedians now. <laughs> nah, man. I mean, shit, 9 o'clock. Even I can get up at 9 o'clock. I know. I know. Even I can get up. If I, if I can get up to do this show, anybody should be able and to. Cause... And it's not like you can't go back to bed. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I can vouch for that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it, uh, it's, but it is. It's uh, we become soft, man. You know. Uh, now, I don't. Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm going to get into the, a little bit of the com comedic uh, aspect of politics here. I'm not somebody who uh, thinks that, uh, and not a, a fan of comedians who push far left agenda i'm not i've never been but far right agenda for me is totally not it's not compatible with comedy because uh because of the attitudes from the far right stuff so yeah. you know centrist stuff or i'm used to comedians even when i disagree with them having a little bit of a leftist lean what i'm seeing now is disturbingly um a, a hard right uh, comedian push. I'm seeing a lot of comedians, and I know you're not on Twitter, or I don't see you on Twitter, but almost all the comedians I see on Twitter are either uh, MAGA people, hardcore conservatives, or um, libertarians. Huh. And I, I'm not seeing any of, I mean, the, the people who are always on the left are still on the left. I mean, the John Frugal things and people like that who are, yeah. but man, it's, it's disturbing. Are you, are you seeing that? And what's your take on that? Well, I think what might be happening too is, you know, in the year or so prior to COVID, we were getting all the Me Too and all that stuff. And, and all the uh, hardcore right people, you know, were hiding under rocks. Yeah. You know? And then now it's starting to come back around because that's what I was going to kind of talk about was how uh, that stuff's starting to fade now. And, and the people who are uh, considered offensive or whatever, they're coming back with a vengeance because they're starting to tolerate more stuff again in comedy because what happens is, it's just like everything else. If you go if you go far to one extreme, and eventually what happens is it comes back around, and then everybody's back on board at the other end, and that's what's happening now. Is we had all the cancel uh, cancel culture and and all that, you know, for, for a couple of years, and now everybody's fed up with it. So what happens now is we just go to the other extreme, and now those people are getting their time in the light. Well, I think a, a big part of it is also. And I kind of um, I've talked about this so much. Like with Chappelle, um, uh, I look at him as a guy who used to be all about just making people laugh, yeah. and at some point he got it into it. He got this ego about him that he should become, you know, a voice uh, of uh, of you know opinion and all that kind of stuff. And he takes this lecture attitude now in his shows. Colin did that to some ex uh, extent, uh, to a big extent, but he was always about trying to keep the funny in there yeah. and make people yeah. laugh. Yeah. I think what we're seeing now is, and uh, I'm looking at all these people on Twitter, they just, they forget about trying to be funny. And it's all about now, they all want to be political commentators. Yeah. Well, and for, for, 
the well, magazine. They get that bigger. They, once they get a bigger audience, they uh, so apparently they assume that it's their job now to lecture the world or, or you know, tell us what we need to be doing or not be doing or, or correct society. You know, yeah, exactly. Because, you know, I tell you, man, Chappelle had that, or he may still have it, had that deal with Netflix where he had to deliver like seven specials or whatever you want to call it, you know, and he was just pumping stuff out. And that last one he had, I think he got an Emmy for or something like that. That was ridiculous. You know, that wasn't even, an, uh, I know comedy is subjective or whatever, but that, that was just, a, you know, that was just a joke where he got on and he, uh, and then one of them wasn't even a special. It was just where he went back to his old high school and, and gave an award. And they counted right. that as one of his Netflix. It was like 20, 30 minutes or something like that, you know, but he's not the only one. There's other ones too. But uh, the thing I was, was, uh, I was looking at uh, yesterday or the day before I found this. I came across a list that was uh, best comedians, best current comedians or whatever. You know, that's subjective. Of course, that's subjective for everybody. But, I, you know, if I were to ask you to name your top five current comedians, they would probably, you know, be different than mine. But I found like two or three different lists. and I tried to find commonalities among the list of comedians, right? And this was just subjective list of best comedians. And then I went and looked and found highest paid comedians in 2023, oh, yeah. right? And then I went and found the top touring comedians, meaning revenue just generated on tour. Right. right? And, and there, there's only like three people that overlap on all three of those lists. The rest are just all over the place. Yeah, you know, um, a, a friend of mine who uh, we got into an argument because he said the 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 uh, highest paid comedian is Jerry Seinfeld, and I was like, no, that's you can't count yeah, a, you can't anymore. count a guy who's getting residuals from a television show that he's well, a billionaire. Well, all right, here you go. This is the highest paid comedians in twenty twenty three. But here's the deal: it's like you just said, it's not it's all the money they bring in, like from television shows, like from commercial, like whatever they do, just revenue, right? Right. Jerry Seinfeld second. Kevin Hart was first. Wow. Kevin Hart was first. Because he's bringing, he's got so he's got all kinds of stuff going on. He's producing shows for other people. He's got Netflix. Well, that changed since last year, because last year it was reversed. It was, uh, Seinfeld was one and Hart was two. But okay. Kevin Hart, Seinfeld, and Jim Gaffigan. And Larry David not on there at all. I guess they don't count him because these are just stand-up comics, and they don't count him <laughs> as a stand-up comic anymore. You know, you know I guess, or or you got to be a touring. I'm not sure Kevin Hart is still doing it either. I mean, no, he does. Actually, matter of fact, he just kicked off another tour. Oh yeah, yeah. He was touring Good. with he was touring with um Chris Rock. Yeah, wow. yeah, wow. they did. They were doing arena tours. But um, but then if you go to from 2022 because they haven't done 23 yet, just um, uh, revenue from touring is none of those guys. It's Sebastian Maniscalco, Gabriel Iglesias, and Joe Coy are the top three, and Burt Kreischer is fourth. Wow. Yeah, those are and but um, Chappelle, Kevin Hart is fifth, and then Chappelle was like sixth. Yeah, so I mean, it's um, no women. 
Uh, and where, where, how far do you have to go down and get a woman on that list? On the tour? The tour there is yeah. one on the top ten. <laughs> uh, I mean, on, I'm laughing because it's just so silly. I but, mean, on, but on the highest paid, which counts everything, uh, Amy Schumer was on there. She was like seventh. Oh, you got to be kidding me. No, that's what I said because when was the last time? Well, she just had a special drop, but when was the last time you even – her, she, you know, she's been laying low pretty lately. I don't know anybody who's an Amy Schumer fan. Are you an Amy Schumer fan? I got a uh, anybody no, in the well, chat I mean, room. I I watched a couple of those movies that she made. They were pretty good, but they were Judd Apatow threw that together. The one um, train wreck or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, no, honestly, but as far as stand up, I mean, she hasn't. Even though she might have done a special or whatever. I haven't heard that much about anything lately, but she did just drop a new one, I think, on Netflix. Yeah. Well, I don't, uh, I, it's to the point where I just feel like I've been burned so many times, man. I just don't even go watch the new ones anymore. I was just like, you know, you got me the first couple of times. I'm not watching it anymore. Well, Klein talked about uh, the early days of HBO specials and all that kind of stuff. And this is because when you were talking about uh, Chappelle, it, it kind of reminded me of that because they give you a bunch of money, but then you got to deliver him a show. And I think that's what happened with Chappelle. He got all the money. He wasn't thinking about seven shows. And then when it comes down to it, I got all this money. I got to give him something. So he went back to his high school and just took the lazy way out. Yeah. I got to deliver something. I might as well just, you know, bring a film crew and uh, tape whatever. And whether it's funny or not, I got to deliver something. Well, you know, who else got one of those deals was Adam Sandler. And he came out, I think he might have done a comedy special on there. But, man, he put some stinker movies out, too. Like, yeah. within the last five, oh, guys, I mean, some of them were. But, he, he, I mean, he fulfilled his obligation. But, yeah, it's just like you said, man. Uh, they just went through the motions. You know, they yeah. got the money, went through the motions. You know, the film that uh, Binder uh, directed that I'm most impressed by is the Adam Sandler film. It's Rain Over Me. Remember that one? Do you remember Rain Over Me? Yeah, I know what you're talking about, yeah. John Don Cheadle is in that, and it's basically a 9-11 trauma. Yeah, that wasn't a comedy. No, it wasn't a comedy. Well, Uh, the little one he did, too. The one where he was the jewelry, the Jewish jewelry, working in the jewelry district in New York, and he gets robbed or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That was all, yeah. He, he got a, uh, the critics love that. As, yeah. You know, for, so he, I guess he just likes doing something different, you know. Joe List has got a um, another special coming out on YouTube. Now, th- there's a couple of things here, and this is some of the stuff I'm going to go into with, with Finer. And, uh, you know, I'm, it can be a broken record anyway, talk about the same shit all over and over again. But, um, I think because Joe List just dropped this special like two months ago, and, and the the frequency is getting you know it used to be a year every you know now people are doing just crowd work special. Steve Byrne did just a crowd work special and just put that out. He did it at at the stand. It's like anything to keep putting more content out. Yeah. I think comedy is is like becoming a manufacturing machine rather than an artistic machine. Right? It's coming for we need to keep putting out content every day every to feed the beast rather than thinking what do i really want to do what what statement do i want to make how do i make how do i do something really special that's one part of of my observation there and the other part is youtube 
for everything people think. Maybe it's getting them exposure and stuff. It's not getting rich. It's not having a Netflix special. There's a big difference between Netflix paying you $500,000 for this special up front and then a, a uh, piece of the uh, points on it as yeah. it goes, as opposed to putting it on you, doing all the production costs yourself, putting it on YouTube and getting 0.006 cents per stream every time after that. There's a huge difference yeah. in that. I w- hey, I wonder if uh, you probably know. Did uh, Louis C.K. produce Joe List? Uh, yes. Louis yeah. yeah, I thought he probably he's doing it for a few of those guys now he's yeah. to i think louis done with the stand-up um i don't know i don't know he still he was what he did a couple of guest spots at governors or uh, or what i think i think he's doing for a while i yeah. think he's gonna do some other production stuff and then maybe he'll come back two or three years and do a comeback special or something like that you know yeah but as far as that youtube stuff like on mine I've noticed that people are doing like the, they'll do crowd work stuff just so they can post it on uh, YouTube. Well, well, what I did was, I was like, God, what can I do differently? So I went back because I've just, I video all my stuff just when I'm doing open mics and stuff too. But when I was like, what does nobody put on there? I said, why don't I just put on there when I'm eating shit all the time? You know, when I, when I, so I'll actually, I'll, when you, if you look at my YouTube shorts, 99% of them are stuff that I don't do. It's not worked out. It's like stuff the first time I try it. or And the ones that get the best, well, not always, but most, the ones that are consistently get the most views are ones where I bomb. And I'll, yeah. put, I'll put it in the titles like uh, uh, such and such joke bombs or whatever. And they love that stuff. They're watching only, but but also I'll put in the, uh, in the um, description that I'm trying to show the process. You know where I I go up on stage and I'm doing it. I'm I'm honestly trying to work out a joke that I think could have some kind of potential, and this is what it looks like when you. This is what it looks like when you don't know and you try it out. Sometimes it doesn't work. Yeah, <laughs> you know, or it might just get a little laugh, or or it turns into something different. You know. Yeah. Um. That it's so hard to gauge. I don't know. For me, from my perspective, it's so hard to gauge when things are really landing. You know when you know you know when you're killing it, but just because it doesn't get a uh, an, a outward response, it could be the energy at that time. It could be you know a lot of people laugh on the inside. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's another thing too. Is if um usually like if if I get something, if I get some kind of reaction where. Even like a lot of times, like I did this show this past weekend. I forget what I forget if it was like a Stephen Hawking joke or, <laughs> or a funeral home joke, necrophilia joke or something. But it was like the whole audience was like, oh. But I but hey, but that was a reaction. It got everyone in there reacted the same way. So yeah. I knew there was something to it. There's something to that joke. If I can figure out how to make it uh less offensive you know what i'm saying i mean there, it has potential to be funny and it sure gets a reaction so uh and sometimes that just kind of perpetuates what i'm trying to do on stage is take them into something darker or edgier and it's like they know what's coming now after that you know but yeah. but yeah well like you're saying just because you do a joke and you don't get a big laugh 
or whatever doesn't mean it, it, it can't be a good joke. It's like I was talking to this guy yesterday. He hasn't been doing comedy that long. And even now, sometimes I have jokes that I'll go back or I'll find. And like, yeah, you know, and really what happens is if you can write, if you come up with a premise and, and you're like, oh, that's pretty funny. And other people even say, yeah, man, that could be funny or whatever. But then you try it on stage, you try to write jokes on stage and they don't, and it's not working. Sometimes it's just because you don't have the skills to know how to write the joke properly. Right. What, what's, what you don't know what structure will work for it properly and you got to mess around with it. And then all of a sudden you might tell it a different way or you might switch and make the punchline, the setups, anything. You might just do something differently with it. And all of a sudden it clicks. You know, you just didn't understand why it wasn't working. And then sometimes somebody like Jason that you're going to have on tomorrow, like he's done that with me on a couple of jokes. He'll say, hey, man, why don't you try doing this with it or switching around or say this instead of that, you know, and then it, it works. Yeah, it's good stuff. You know what? The best singers uh, work with vocal coaches. I think the best comedians should at least consult uh other you know comedian coaches and that's what really what jason is i know he doesn't call himself that but really that's what he is um i kind of want to switch gears here because all right uh, last night on youtube i caught this uh tim dylan ranting about censorship youtube censorship and how uh, he was kind of threatening to go someplace else and it's like where are you going <laughs> well, you can go lots of other places. This yeah, is my, he's, on, my... he's on a Rogan. He's on the Rogan uh, gravy train too. Right. Well, he's talking about. Well, first of all, I don't think censorship it can exist outside of government. I think uh, censorship is the province of government, not a private business. You can't go into a comedy club and demand time. Right. You can't. Yeah. YouTube is a is basically a public uh, business that anybody can go into, but you sign an agreement before they give you a channel that you have to abide by their rules or you will get a strike. So you know that up front. But I've been in this streaming game longer than anybody. I did the original Coffee with the Dog show in 1994 on AOL. Right. <laughs> and it, it was a post video. Um, but at that time, I bought my own streaming server and was doing streaming stuff. Now it's incredibly cheap. There are lots of services you can go out. If you have the following, you can do your own and with free from any censorship, you buy your own streaming server and you can put it out there to millions of people, reach them reliably. You don't need YouTube. What you need YouTube for is to be in their public square where people are going looking for that stuff so you get yeah. the recommendations and stuff. But that's why they get to call the shots. And listen, as if somebody who's who's been given a strike by them, I understand the frustration. But I did sign that agreement that I would live by their rules and understand that this is their business. You can't go into a comedy club and just say, start shouting whatever you want and not get thrown out. <laughs> if you're well, fun, if, even if you're on stage, you get get the light means get off the stage. That's what. what what was he saying? He, what was he saying? He was getting canceled from YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, but you know what? That's bullshit because that's part. That's part of his whole appeal and his whole shtick 
is that the people that come see him come see him for that. And he gets away with more than most other people because he's gay. And he tells a lot of freaking homophobic stuff and, and gay stuff that I can't say because I'm straight. He gets away right. with a lot of that crap. And they, yeah. and they and his crowd loves that. That's they come and see him. So that's part of his little uh, marketing thing too. Is oh, I'm I'm so edgy. I'm so you know I'm so off the cuff. I'm getting canceled. You guys need to help me out. You know. So yeah, he's not getting canceled anywhere. Yeah, and no, uh, but he's wor- he's worried about getting strikes and stuff like that. And the the truth is, you know, after three strikes, they will put you out. But I I can't I made an observation yesterday not a popular observation because a lot of people loved him dylan i don't i'm not a big fan of his but i said the (laughs) the only difference between tim dylan and rosie o'donnell is rosie can sing and act (laughs) and i never liked rosie o'donnell yeah Uh, yeah yeah, it is kind of yeah he just he is he he's a gay gay she started as a a stand-up on long island uh, and she's gay and she has very, very strong opinions and wants to force those opinions on. Well, that's and, what I'm to... say. He purposely he purposely pushes buttons. Well, guess what? There's pushback. If you right. push, if you're gonna push, there's pushback. And it's like you said, uh, you gotta play by the rule. Uh, if if you want to make money on someone's platform, then you gotta play by their rules. That's just all, you know. Absolutely. And again, when I was doing it for hair designer TV. In the mid two thousand, somewhere two thousand six, two thousand, we were streaming. You, you would, you would be shocked to know how hairdressers uh, draw like the Super Bowl. <laughs> we had uh, Naha North American Hairdresser Awards in Vegas every year. It was a big event at at uh, Mandalay Bay, uh, sold out. You know, ballroom and all this stuff, and all these celebrities there. And we would stream the event to fifty, sixty thousand people on our private streaming service then so right. there are options now i'm on rumble but i get censored on rumble for the opposite of what i would get censored on uh or censored uh, you know uh strikes on for youtube so rumble doesn't give you strikes they just refuse to air your content they right. cut it off and say uh, we don't we don't approve of this message it's just not and you don't get a strike for it youtube will give you a strike and if you do it too many times you're three times you're out three strikes and you're out rule I think they have the right to do that. And I, I think these guys who are just complaining about it, and this is one of the things Binder is complaining about, the Roseanne thing. Right. And I think YouTube had every right to say, we don't want that on our platform. And that's not cancel culture. That's not censorship. That's, you want to say that? Go do it someplace else. Go buy your own fucking server and do it. And you got the money for it. You're not oh, going to yeah. do it in our, in our business. You know what I noticed too? I, I guess, it's, unless it's just me, when I when I create those YouTube short videos and I'll do the hashtags, like a lot of the words I'll try to, you know, you type the hashtag and it'll come up with the popular ones that are already in the system or whatever. Right. If, if it's anything that's like sex or like I had pedophile, I had what I was trying to hashtag the jokes, none of them come up. Like they don't, they don't let them come up on the yeah, yeah. things. I noticed that. I guess you can write, you could do it manually, but they don't come up. They don't even, and I know good and well, I'm not the only one trying to put that in there to, to get views on the, about the jokes or whatever. So I guess they just don't, um, whatever the algorithm doesn't associate pedophilia yeah. with humor. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah. But um, yeah, they, I mean, 
if you want to play the game, you got to play by the rules, I guess, you know, yeah. until somebody comes up with something else. But as far as Twitter, I had a Twitter account. But I, I finally closed it down. I haven't been on there, man, for a couple of years because it got it just got to where uh, there were trolls, man. Like you, uh, I was doing this thing where I would write a new joke every day and I would just post it up there, you know, post a joke about something every day. And I'll be damned if people didn't weren't on there freaking critiquing and, and bashing the joke. I was just all it was, was I was just putting it up there just to do it. I didn't want your opinion on it or, or did your, I was just doing it, just do it. And then I was like, man, I don't need this shit. And uh, I just got off. Ian said, what the fuck? You were streaming radio back in uh, 94. No, I was streaming <laughs> video back in 94 in uh, 97 or 98 with Winamp. I first started doing the radio, you know, internet radio stuff. Uh, what happened when I started, Long story short, I got kicked off a of television. I had uh, Mind Dog TV on, on local television here on Long Island. It was not public access. It was paid, uh, bought access on cable time so oh. I could do my own sponsorship and all that kind of stuff. And um, I got thrown off of that. <laughs> I, I have a history of getting thrown out of places. But um, so and basically I had no other way to no other platform to go so i created my own which is what i'm saying that right. all these comedians could do it's it's so cheap now uh, affordable now it's so uh practical well you know um bill burr has what's the one of his it's called um it's on they, he's got all these comics man he's got george lopez bill burr there's a, quite a few of them i forget what it's called um is all things comedy no oh yeah all is that comedy is a big thing, right? Is that it? The, well, yeah, I don't you, know if Bill Burr. You that, can but. tell. You can tell because if you look at the George Lopez podcast or the Bill Burr one where he does the videos, they're all in the same exact room at the same exact table and everything. Yeah, I think it's called ATC. All things. Comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All things comedy is, uh, but they don't do more than just live streams and stuff like that. Yeah, they host that's specials Bill, that's and Bill all Burr. that. Stuff. That's yeah. Bill Burr. I did yeah, not know that. What he's done is he, they've created their own network, their own network. Um, I think Will Ferrell has that one comedy or laugh or die or funny, funny or die or something like that. Yeah. But those guys, yeah, you're right. I can't believe uh, Rogan hadn't gone ahead and created his own network now. Well, he's on Spotify. He can. He, he's yeah, done no, exclusively. Saying, he could, he yeah. could easily do it. Take Tim Dillon. Shane Gillis and all these other people and, and put them on there. Let put all their podcasts on there. Hmm. You know? um, yeah, I'm sure he could do it. I don't know how long his Spotify deal goes. He doesn't, for. he's not getting canceled for anything he says on his. That's why no. he got off of YouTube and went on with Spotify. But he's still on YouTube, which is so weird to me. He's got this exclusive with Spotify, mm -hmm. but he still puts his uh, clips on YouTube. And if you if you were so inclined, you could put all those clips together and, and get the full show. Because yes. uh, he, he, cut, he cuts the entire show up into smaller clips and still puts it on YouTube. And they don't... Cause he he played the Roseanne, uh, the Ovan thing in, in its uh, entirety. Not in entirety, but the the clip that he yeah. claimed that got them uh, yeah. taken off of YouTube, and YouTube didn't do anything. That says to me either YouTube is um, inconsistent with enforcement of their own rules. Well, no, that's what. Well, he, even he said, I was watching an interview, and even he said this. He said that 
what happened was when he was just full time on YouTube, they started demonetizing a lot of his videos for yeah. stuff. And so he once he made this deal with Spotify, all of a sudden, now they'll they'll let him get away with stuff on YouTube now because they want to keep him on there because he's such a you know, he's got such a following. They right. figured, well, well, we'll just let him get away with a little stuff because we'll still get all those views on here. Yeah. Well, YouTube, this is the most important takeaway for this for people. YouTube's not the only player on the block. You can go other places. And if you, the, the only benefit, again, coming back to YouTube, is the recommendations. It is the town square where more people are going to go to seek you out. Yeah. But if, you, if you're if you good enough at marketing and getting the word out that you can go to my website and stream. This is what Alex Jones did. He's not on it. He bought his own server. He, and Glenn Beck did the same thing. Now, I'm not fans of either one of those guys, right. but the model, the business model, it's not, it, you don't need a fortune to to do your own streaming and collect your own 100% of your own revenue then and sell, you know, the, the nobody wants to sell their own advertising, get advertisers to say, come on my network. That's, that's a sales job and nobody wants to do that. They want to be lazy, but you know, you can't have a, everything in life. <laughs> you can't be in the public square and not ab abide by the rules. And hey, uh, I see uh, Ian put on there, Rogan is censoring himself for the money. That's funny because I was just listening to um, Rogan interviewing Oliver Stone last week. And it's funny how when he gets like um, his normal guests that come on regularly or maybe someone, another comic or something like that, it never fails, man. Somehow or another, he always makes his way into these conspiracy things about COVID and ivermectin and all this stuff. But he had when he had Oliver Stone on there, he was really okay. He was tiptoeing on eggshells. He was you could tell he was starting it. He was heading that way. He'd almost he'd start to get going in there, but he was backing off and, and he was like deferring to Oliver Stone's opinion and stuff like he, he wasn't going all in. And you could, if you notice, every now and then when he's got someone on there, who who he knows can call him out on the bullshit or or is going to push back, he doesn't go in all, you know, like he does all in with his with his theories about yeah, you know, this is you know, no one should have done this and this and it, basically his, you know, but I noticed that I was listening to the Oliver Stone thing and there were so many times, man, in that video where you could he called himself where he normally would go all in and you could tell he was, he would slow down and he would stop and he would just wait to see what Oliver Stone was going to say. Yeah. And then he did, if he didn't agree, then he wouldn't go in with him. You know, it was a lot of stuff. It was about, and it was, there was some of the stuff where Rogan usually goes all in on because Oliver Stone's got a new video coming out about nuclear, nuclear energy and stuff. And he's all, he's pro nuclear energy. And, and Rogan, What's he, is he pro nuclear energy? Nuclear or, energy, not like for nuclear bombs. And no, all I get it. Yeah, but yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Oliver Stone is, and he's saying, "Yeah, you. I don't want to get. You have to watch the thing." But, uh, but, it, but, but they would get sidetracked a little bit sometimes about uh, other things, you know, like COVID or this or that. And Rogan would start to go in on his normal, normal things, you know, rants, whatever like that. But he would, he was really careful to. Because Oliver Stone would just kind of say something like, "Yeah, well, you know, I don't know." He he wouldn't agree with it. Oliver Stone wasn't a he didn't disagree with it, but he didn't jump on the bandwagon. And Rogan kind of he could feel like 
Rogan was sensing that, okay, I, I probably don't need to, I probably need to back off a little bit on that because it wasn't going to, you know, I don't he know. tirades where he just, he'll have a guest on there. Next thing you know, Rogan's going for 20 minutes nonstop. He yeah. Didn't he didn't do that. Yeah. My biggest problem with Rogan is he doesn't, you know, because I said this uh, uh, several times already. The him and John Stewart both, ha uh, John Stewart on the left, and Rogan doesn't even believe he's on the right, but Rogan is on the right. But they both hid behind. Uh, I'm just a comedian. Yeah. But and that's fine to say. You, you can be just a comedian and just be sharing your opinion, but. Rogan goes farther than this is my opinion, like with the Ray Epps stuff. And I, I had there's a video on my channel if people want to see about this, where Rogan calls out Ray Epps as a, a member of the, uh, the the feds, working with the feds on January 6th. And he says, anybody who doesn't believe that is a fucking moron. That's not opinion now. That's telling your 11 million cult yeah. followers that if you don't believe what I believe, you're a fucking moron. And I called him out on this, and he, uh, of course, is not going to respond to me. But I actually called Ray Epps and had a conversation with him. I talked, I called his neighbors and said, "Do you know the man for thirty years? He's been a farmer, and he owns a a, a uh, catering hall, and he does wedding stuff. He's been a part of that community." For 35 years, he hasn't left that community. There's no way he could have been working. I even called the feds and said, is there any way somebody could be out in Arizona running a farm and a wedding and putting all his uh, efforts and, and energy into running a catering hall and still be an active FBI agent? They said, are you out of your fucking mind? FBI is a full-time job. We don't we don't hire, <laughs> you know, wedding uh caterers and, and farmers right. uh, to occasionally come in and just, do, you know, and he never had that conversation with Ray Epps. He got it off the internet. He, he took a clip and said, well, if you don't believe this guy is a, with the yeah. feds, you're a yeah. fucking moron. I mean, uh, but without thinking that his words have now, he's risen to the point where his words have so much weight with people that they make life decisions based on what he says. You can no longer hide behind. I'm just a comedian, especially yeah. when you're telling people, you know, would jump off the ledge for you that if you don't believe what I believe, you're a fucking moron. Well, yeah. And that was like when he was doing all the, the ivermectin stuff like that. He said, don't listen to me folks. I'm not a doctor, but this, you know, and then he goes, that. but also he forgets to throw the part in there about how he's paying medical staff. You remember when he said, oh, I tested positive for COVID and I was better the next day. Well, guess yeah. what? I tested positive for COVID, too, and I was working out the whole time because yeah. I didn't have freaking bad symptoms. The you first know? time I tested for po uh, positive for COVID, I didn't. I felt didn't nothing. I was COVID. fine the whole yeah. time. Yeah. So and he says, oh, yeah, I took ivermectin and stuff and I was better two days later. Well, yeah, but, you know, in a real scientific study. There would have been a group that didn't take ivermectin, and would they would have done, felt just as good two days right. later too? Yeah, you don't know that. But he also a lot of the things he talks about. He also fails to remind everybody about he's got all the money that he can afford every possible thing that you would need that we that the normal every listener can't afford. Yeah, yeah. he got he got the kitchen sink thrown at it absolutely. Yeah. And here's here's the other thing that for people on the. Um, because it's easy 
to be angry at Big Pharma and think, well, they're behind this whole fucking conspiracy, right? It's easy to go there. But here's the thing people forget. Ivermectin is put out by Big Pharma, and they make tons of profit off of Ivermectin. Why would they be trying to suppress something that they're making profit off of? Yeah. If you don't think that if if it was if they knew that it was proven that it was going to help get rid of COVID, if you don't think they would have been at a forefront selling ivermectin because they would have been getting richer too off of it. But they knew that they couldn't come out and say that, you yeah. know, because they were, they were liable for, yeah, you were exactly right, man. That's, that's well, and yeah. And you can't be against big pharma for one thing, but for big pharma for 99% of the other time, when you need, when you need penicillin or when you need, uh, whatever medication you need for some other condition right. that you have, you know, that's just, that's just the way it goes, man. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it, it's a, a tough thing to get uh, medical costs and, and prescription drug costs under control. But to, to say that, you know, everything's a big conspiracy. Now I want to switch gears here a little bit more before uh, we say goodbye. And a couple of things I wanted to talk to you about the Mel Gibson film, and this Titanic uh, conspiracy theory. Let's start. <laughs> let's start with the uh, Mel Gibson film. Are you, are you aware of the Mel Gibson film and, and know what it's about and all that I, stuff? I don't think so. Okay, he's got the Sounds of Freedom, and it's okay. I've heard. Be- okay, tell me about because I've seen stuff in the last day or so. Even people I know posting stuff on there, but I don't. I don't know what they're talking about. It, it's about. Pedo- rampant pedophilia rings that are not just Hollywood, but all worldwide. There's Epstein Islands everywhere, okay. uh, and it's it's all QAnon regurgitated stuff. Now, the problem I have with it is Mel Gibson's been part of Hollywood for 45 years. Since he came from Australia, he's been a mainstay of the Hollywood establishment, and uh, if he had, was that part that close to the main uh, cog in the wheels of he had to have known about this all yeah. along. So if he's coming out and saying Hollywood has always been a pedophilia, um, you know, machine. Right. He, and he had to have known about it the whole 45 years. Why are you coming out with it now? Have you uh, are you ashamed that you kept you were a part of keeping it secret? For all those years, or any shame there? Nobody's asking him that tough question. Like, so you you're breaking the secret now. Why? What took you so fucking long? <laughs> That's the same thing with Harvey Weinstein deal. And all of a sudden, when it, when he got he finally got called out on it, and everything went down with the Me Too, then all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, everybody knew about that for three decades. Right. Well, why wasn't anybody talking about what? Because they were getting paid. They were getting jobs. They were they were. They were in the, they were part of his system. They didn't want to rock the boat, you know. But then all of a sudden, they knew Harvey was go. Once it got to that point where everybody figured out Harvey was done, then everybody's jumping on the bandwagon. Right. But why? I don't know why is Mel Gibson making this movie. Well, I don't, well, he he definitely has a very strong um, Christian Catholic Christian agenda. Uh, he, you know that that's what the whole passion of Christ was about. But he's also a fucking. I deserve a fucking blowjob because I'm Mel Gibson. Uh, yeah. People forget that part about him. And yeah. they, <laughs> I was wondering what because some of the people I know that are 
hardcore right or whatever have been making comments like the last day or two on Facebook. One this morning I saw about something about how they oh yeah they got it right on or something. And I'm sitting there like what I got what is this movie about? It's really about nothing. It's it's based on a uh, somebody's story uh, that's not been. you know, validated in any way. And it's a personal story. And the guy who, who wrote the story was adamant that he wanted the guy who played Jesus in Passion of Christ to play him in this movie. Like, you know, <laughs> come on. Come on, where, where are you going with this? Anyway, uh, so, yeah, I, and listen, I, I, don't, I don't have any doubt that pedophilia is very rampant. There are kid fuckers out there. Oh, yeah. But I don't think... They have meetings and plan. Oh, like a kitty fucking like a country club. <laughs> yeah. It's just—it's not part of you don't you don't go to meetings and share your plan to fuck kids or or yeah, cover it up. That goes back to to what kind of like while well, singing there, you know, about how they're saying, oh yeah, there was it was a conspiracy, election fraud conspiracy back in twenty twenty stuff like that. But the odds of that being able to happen are. It won't happen because you got to have everybody on board. And as soon as somebody gets feels slighted or something goes wrong, one person's going to talk. That's all it takes. It all you, takes is one all person. It takes to is talk, the one right. person. And you know, if you got all those people and they got a little pedophile ring going, something's going to happen within that group. Somebody's going to get pissed off because he didn't get this or that. And, and next thing you know, there's an expose and they're busting the cops. You can't, it can't happen, man. It just can't happen. Well, I agree, but uh, here's the thing with the conspiracy theories and and how the the Titanic thing revealed a lot to me because lately, since the sub thing, the Titanic conspiracy theory has come back to life and it's it's growing new legs. I'm not sure if you know about the Titanic conspiracy, but here's the, the, the theory that they put out there. J.P. Morgan and a bunch of other bankers were going to wanted to have the uh, universal uh, banking system known as the Fed in place in the United States. Uh, J.P. Morgan owned uh, the Titanic and wanted to make sure that everybody who was against this the, the idea of the Fed was on that biz, uh, boat and got them all on on the boat. Everybody who opposed the idea of the Fed were on the boat. <laughs> And J.P. Morgan was scheduled to be on the boat, and other people were scheduled on the, uh, to be on the boat who were for the the um, imposition of the Fed, and they all canceled within uh, like hours of the the launch of the boat, and decided to change their mind and not be on the cruise. And sure enough, it went down, and they were saying J.P. Morgan was responsible. You know, told the captain just go straight into that fucking iceberg, <laughs> and that's taking new legs now. And but. It has a grain of truth that gets fabricated, stretched, and, and outright lied about. Uh, Morgan did own the Titanic. That's that's a fact. It was billed as the millionaire's uh, steamboat in the, the initial voyage. But he had left for Paris about a month before because they, were, the French government was going to uh, confiscate all his works of art and tell him he could not take them out of country. So he was in, in France 
at the moment and could not take the trip. He wanted to take the trip, but he was saving his millions and millions of dollars worth of artwork investments that were in Paris. He was trying to get them out of country before the French government confiscated them. The guys who were on the boat, actually, the bankers who were on the boat were actually for written articles for the Fed. They were not against it, but they take that grain of truth and make it so that if you hear them tell the story, it sounds like, wow, that sounds awful fishy, yeah. right? And, and and then they run with that. And every time, it's like telephone. Every time it goes from one conspiracy theorist to the next, they add another layer of fabrication. Well, what if we just twist it a little more and, and, and you know, stretch the truth just a little more to say this? And then all of a sudden it becomes, wow, you can't deny that. That seemed like it was a plot, man. Yeah, uh, see, that comes back to it again, though. It's not like the captain's just standing up there steering the boat himself. Uh, he died, by the way. He went down with the boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Was you'd have to you'd have to talk all the people up on the bridge that that were helping control the boat or whatever. Hey guys, we're going to run into this. Let's just stare, keep going for this iceberg. When at some point, if I'm up there, I'm thinking that's not happening. Right. You know, we're throwing your ass over. But yeah, he went down with the boat. So I don't care how much money you offer me if I'm the captain. I'm not taking it because I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna get the money, spend the money if I'm going down with the boat. Right. Know? And that's, you don't send out distress signals and rescue signals trying to get you know if that's your and you don't have lifeboats there for for the, the bankers that were on the boat. I mean, that would, make a, that would make a good movie, though. That yeah. that plot makes a good movie. It probably it probably will be now. You know, it's, like it, a, it's been a conspiracy theory for a long time, but it grow it's growing new legs because of the the something. Because now they're th they're saying the Chase Bank and J P Morgan's legacy of of banking bombed the sub. It wasn't an implosion. They bombed it. You that's know? what I was saying. That's what I thought you were going to say. That it was a submarine or. Something, it, but you know, it's that, crazy. that's like those freaking uh, Da Vinci Code movies. Right? That's yeah. the same thing. They take all these this stuff from the Bible and all this other stuff, and they're like, when you could you can make almost anything sound like whatever you want it to sound like. You, you know, besides that, the Da Vinci Code, of course, uh, it was. But it wasn't even Dan Brown. Dan Brown stole that. It, you talk about plagiarism. Oh. I had I had the guy who wrote the book on. I forget his name. Jack something. Fuck. Uh, but Jack wrote the first book. He was uh, he showed it to Dan Brown. Dan Brown uh, took his work and completely. It was a complete work of fiction. He he showed it to Dan Brown. Dan Brown stole it and put it out <laughs> there and told told the world that it was the truth and it was nonfiction. Uh, I had the guy on the program two and a half, three years ago or so. Uh, he's been suing Dan Brown forever, but there's so Hollywood got behind it now and all the money with the lawyers. And so they've been holding this case up for years and years and years. But there, if you look at his manuscript and Dan, Dan Brown's work, there's no question that he stole it. It was completely right. lifted. So I don't know. I, I'm really troubled by all the, the, the way we've become what Orwell had predicted. And I, I never would have thought that we would be in a place where uh, people are just so willingly uh, just diving into conspiracy theories and, and, you know, bullshit without even lifting a finger to check anything out. They just want to believe. You know, I was, um, what was I? I don't know if it was that clip I sent you about Roseanne 
on Pierce Morgan. <laughs> but I was watching something like yesterday or day, and it was exactly what, what you were talking about the other day. I don't know if it was if, – if you watch it, you know, I can't remember now. But I think either he or or either even Roseanne might have even said something about if people would just take the time to do a little research on their own. Right. I think it was. I think it was in that interview. It, it was. was. Talking about people not taking the time to do re- their own research or they'd know that she knew what she was talking about. <laughs> you you got to see it, man. She talk, She starts the video off. You can tell she's trying to cover her ass. She starts yeah. the video off talking about how she's Ukrainian. Right. Her ancestors were murdered. Here's, here's the, uh, let me go one step further. She says she's from the the Ukraine. Yeah, my my people are from the Ukraine, and anybody who was Ukrainian would know it's not the Ukraine. It's Ukraine. But <laughs> so that's a. Uh, but also she's she's full of she's always been full of making these statements she said she was raped by her father her family confronted her on that and then she had to come out and say no i made that up i mean so I, I don't believe she she has any heritage going back to ukraine whatsoever but now she's trying to claim that she's uh, ukrainian and she's from the ukraine but she wants to claim that well people don't know there's lots of nazis and and Zelensky's not a good jew there are good jews and bad yeah, jews yeah uh, yeah uh, yeah, yeah, I, that's what I was watching, and I was like, man, she's just she's just digging herself in and deep. But you know what though? Doesn't matter because she's got that. She had a special come out about my, and she's and all of a sudden now she's starting to tour up, and this is just generating publicity. People are gonna again. It's, it's that uh, people that already liked her in the first place, they're gonna come and see the tour just because they're like, oh, it's Roseanne, you know? Oh yeah, she's giving them hell and all that, but. Yeah, man, it's that same thing. Of, uh, if people would take the time, but even if you take the time to do your own research, now you got to worry about wait, all right, where's this research coming from? Right. Because people can put anything on the, and some people will go to Wikipedia, on Wikipedia to get their research, not realizing that I could contribute to Wikipedia. Right. You know, it's, I could I could contribute on someone's Wikipedia page. And, Roseanne could be writing Wikipedia. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're right, man. You're exactly right. But you know what, though? You got some, uh, yeah, you got some good shows, some good guests coming on these next two days. So, yeah. Hopefully, when you get Mike Binder on there, uh, I'm I'm a little bit worried that that's going to get contentious. Even though I respect the work the man's done, uh, I think so. It's surprising to me that people who used to have some, uh reality check in their lives just have completely gone over the edge and i think he has i follow him a lot and this morning he was uh talking about uh rf rfk uh, jr uh he he retweeted this thing about how the left is just afraid of rfk jr because all he does is speak the truth well what no he doesn't just speak the truth. He's a fucking he's a he's a QAnon conspiracy theorist. He speaks, uh, he speaks what he believes is the truth. Is what there's a difference. I'm not even sure he believes all of it. I think yeah. he's well. To, I, I guess you're right, but I think he's convinced himself of, of what he. And Rogan even said this the other day because he was posting some UFO stuff. He goes, "I'm such a sucker for this. I want to believe so badly. I want to believe so badly that." 
that's a statement in itself that says I'm only going to look at stuff that validate evidence that validates my want to believe, but I'm going to ignore everything that invalidates my it's want. A confirm, to yeah, the confirmation bias, right? Yeah. It's just where if it doesn't if it doesn't fit what I believe, then it's false. Yeah, it's and, and and I can come up, you know, if you're doing your own research, what's going to happen is, you know, if you if you Google whatever you're searching for. And it comes up and shows you all the the um, options. Well, you're actually going to skim. You're not going to look at everyone. You're going to skim through. And if you see one that confirms what you're thinking, right, your opinion, you're going to click right on that one, and you're going to go on that one. And then you're more likely to click on the ones that agree with what you think with than the ones that don't. Yeah. You know. And then all of a sudden, you're like, well, yeah, I got this. I got th this. This supports what I'm talking about. You know, this supports what I'm talking about. And then, sure. Uh, oh, see, I was right. You know, yeah. uh, you could do that on anything now, man. It's there's, it's it's uh, it's crazy. So yeah, where that's the thing is, uh, where do you get your research? And then you got to be able to actually weed through, or you got to actually what happens is, you have to want to find the truth. You don't yeah. have to, you have to want to find the truth. You have to separate yourself from wanting to find what you believe. It's like they say when you go in a court of law, it's not what you can, it's not what you believe, it's what you can prove. Right. Right. Yeah. And but even though in a court of law you can twist that too. But yeah. really, you actually, I think most people don't want to know the truth. They just want to, they just want to know what what confirms what they already believe. It's so it, it's uh, I'm baffled by the whole thing, but it's I'm. Easy. Yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm not in a good place about it. I just, I, I'm very frustrated about um, just the, the attitude in, in the world right now. It's like, I do think fascism to some degree is, is, is in style and people are okay with fascism. Like we've forgotten the lessons of, well, of the 20th century. It, I, it's think, really... I think a lot of it, man, is fear and uncertainty. And people, what happens is, you the, you the pie is so big. There's only slice, only so many slices of the pie. And when when people feel like someone's infringing on their slice of the pie, they become uncertain and fearful that they're going to lose part of their slice of the pie. And if there's something out there that supports them keeping their slice of the pie, some ideology or whatever, then that's where they're more likely to go is with whatever's going to help them keep their slice of the pie. Right. Right. In an ideal situation, everybody would have the same slice of pie, and we'd all be happy with our slice of the pie. But that's not reality. Yeah, right. It's not reality. Uh, know, so people are. Yeah. yeah, I'm like you too. I'm like um, uh, frustrated. You know that uh, that is like that. That that uh, why can't people? Why can't people get along? Why can't people be happy with having a decent life why do they have to why does someone have to be a multi-gazillionaire right you know why it doesn't make sense you never spend that much money in your life and you're not gonna and the world's not gonna last long enough now to where we're going for your dependence for yeah. generations to have it so it's just uh money and influence are both addicting i mean the more the more power you get the more money you get the more you want I, it, I, at least for most people, I would definitely not, I, I, I would not succumb to that. Uh, I need more money. I think 
I don't even feel like I need more money now. I feel like, you know what, I'm, and I, I think I talked about this last week, this, going out to gigging and on the weekend, it's summertime, it's the time I live for, I'm out playing music, They're, the world is good. And I think part of the fascist uh, movement is telling people and getting them to believe in, man, we're all going to hell, life is terrible, uh, you know, things are so bad. Things are not that bad. Yeah. Generally, day, day-to-day people uh day-to-day lives of people are not that bad they're still they watch the all-star game last night from their an eight-foot screen on in a, their uh comfortable couch drinking whatever <laughs> i mean life is pretty good well we have we, have a, distorted believe perception. we yeah. have a distorted perception in america anyway compared to the rest of the world poverty in america means uh you're driving an suv and you're you have to settle for an android instead of an iphone right yeah. You're eating fast food every day, but you had to downsize and you just had the basic cable and NFL plan. Right. You know, whatever. That's poverty in the U.S. Yeah. Right. But, <laughs> you know, but there was a, there was some, they did this study and I can't remember the exact number, but it's around. They said at this certain point of, of income that you really, it really doesn't make you any happier to make more money than it was like $75,000. It said, once you get to a $75,000, more money doesn't really necessarily make you happier. It might yeah. make you can get more things and stuff, but you're at a point where you're living comfortably. You can go out and do stuff. You can go on a vacation. You're not starving. You got, like you said, you can watch the all-star game. But, but you don't have your own private jet and stuff like that, but you're not hurting. Right. You know, and there's plenty of uh, people open up their eyes. There's plenty of evidence. Elvis Presley, you couldn't get more famous or wealthy. He was a miserable fuck. Michael Jackson was a miserable fuck. Prince was a miserable fuck. Howard Hughes. Yeah, Howard Hughes was a miserable fuck. All all these people who, who, the love of money uh, and power and influence, they, you know, it, it, doesn't make you happy and that's a simple lesson to learn but people i guess it's so seductive it's it's a it's a very hot pitch <laughs> well, I, think, I think what happens is like if you do come into a lot of it or whatever initially you get that rush because you can do things you couldn't do right you, you know you could get a private jet so, but then after a while you're kind of alienated because now you got to worry about people trying to take take your money or threaten your family or threaten you or then you then you start worrying about things that you didn't have to worry about you know all you know losing your money right my my wife was so because she's very religious she calls that you know all these people are just willing to sell their souls whether you believe uh in that stuff or not souls and whatever people are willing to sell themselves out their dignity and their uh their their sense of well-being you don't need to keep doing what you're doing if it's causing you heartache and, and trouble. And when somebody like, and I'm going to go back to Dylan or Rogan, complaining about people trying to, you know, people always attacking them and they can't say anything. I always feel you have the power to just yeah. step away from that and stop yeah. doing what you're doing. Yeah. And you don't need it. You don't need the more millions of dollars that are coming with it all the time. You don't need that anymore. You have that ability and 
you know, to just walk away and say, fuck it. I don't need this. It's like a drug, man. It's like a drug that they're, they're addicted to the celebrity or addicted to that. The power is power. Yeah, the power. And knowing that, you know, 11 million people were listening to you every day, it's got to be, it's got to be, you know, an aphrodisiac of some sort. I mean, but it's not worth it, which is why I, I said, and I, I mean this, I am happy flying under the radar. Of course, I want uh, a small audience of dedicated people, but I don't want, I, I would not ever want what Rogan has in terms of, uh, responsibility that he shuns uh, for everything I say and having to deal with because I know I have opinions that are, can be misleading, can be wrong, all that kind of stuff, and I don't want to be responsible for somebody making a life decision based on what I say ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. People do, people do, and I don't think he. I think he. I, I know he recognizes that at some point because when he's arguing with like. Tanjay Gupta from uh, CNN, he's, ta- he's talking about how his influence eclipses all of uh, cable media news and all that stuff. And then in the same breath, well, I'm just a comedian. No, yeah, you, yeah, did, yeah. you just admitted he said, your he influence. Not only, did, not only did he admit that, but he kept saying on there, I don't want people listening to me and taking medical advice from me. And then he'll, on a hundred shows in a row, he'll be saying, hey, I did this. This helped me. This that's all these people are telling lies. We know this is a lie. This and if you're doing the opposite, you can't have it both ways, you know. Like say, Oh, I'm just a comedian or whatever like that. You know. Yeah. Um, so uh we, we I think we're done with that. Anyway, uh you got shows <laughs> coming up this weekend. No, not, anything to promote? Anything you wanna let people know about? No, I got a show next I got one next week, another one of those improv shows. I'm closing out an improv show in Virginia. Nice. And uh I think I'm actually going up by your brother. Well, uh, July twenty you know, second. July twenty second. That's I think next it's week. Twenty second, Durham, Isn't that Durham, North Carolina. I have to look I, and see. I don't Some know if it's closer to Raleigh or Durham. I don't even know the area. Durham, well. Durham is right. Durham is right next to Raleigh. They're, they're, it's yeah. called the Triangle. So um, that's a week from this Saturday, the twenty second. Yeah, July twenty second. Um. Yeah, good, good. I, I will definitely uh, send him to that one if I can. Um, I don't know. He hasn't been doing that well lately. But uh, Sunday, he was kind of not. He was kind of feeling like a guy who's dying. He hasn't been feeling. If like he goes out, if he goes outside, he will. Cause it's brutal down here right now, man. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, it is. I know it's. It was brutal everywhere. Uh, but even you know, it was ninety four yesterday. I was playing at the VA and I just got done and my Mikey's birthday was yesterday and I was talking to him on the phone and he got, I said, yeah, it's hot out of you. He goes, it's not human. It's I, my shirt sells a different story. I'm yeah. out here 94 hey. degrees. It's, it's humid enough that my shirt was wet. Last, last Wednesday, the day after July 4th, my air conditioning went out. It was 86 degrees in my house at night at midnight. That night. Oh my God. And the, the AC guy didn't show up the next day when he was supposed to, so I had to go two days without air conditioning, man. I was like, you know what? I That happened to me. I went and slept out in my car and turned the air conditioning on and turned the car on and put the <laughs> well, air conditioning on. it was cooler outside than it was in the house anyway. I could, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, lastly, before I let you go, you, you were you ever a fan of Star Trek? When I was a kid, I, I, it was in syndication. I, I, yeah, I know the lady you got coming on tomorrow. You do? I don't watch that. I see how she was banging 
Captain Kirk. I I never watched. Oh boy, people! I'm gonna get hate mail for saying this. I never watched a single episode of Star Trek. Never. Not you know, watched. they didn't really. They only met, they only had like three seasons. It was only on like three seasons. I right, was, but then they had extra. Yeah, all the other you know, stuff, Star yeah. Trek but Nine, to, yeah, whatever. It I was, was listening to uh, William Shatner's making the rounds. He's got something going on. I listened to an interview with him a couple weeks ago, and he was he, talking he's about ninety-four years old or something. Yeah, right? yeah. fucking yeah. amazing, fucking he's amazing. Got his, he's got his mental stuff going on still. He's you talk about conspiracy theories. Holy yeah. shit, he was on there. Hey, stuff. He's yeah, always been like a crazy drama queen to begin with. I yeah, mean, as far as the show, man. When I was a kid, it wasn't like now where they you, they have all these cable channels with reruns. There was only, we only had like three channels on TV, and you were if you caught if you could catch the old Batman TV show, or Star Trek, or the Mod Squad, or something oh, like that. Oh, Mod Squad, cool. Yeah, those were big ones. But at Star Star Trek, man. Uh, I I didn't when those movies came out. I think I watched the first one. Uh, or whatever, I, I, you know, I could take it or leave it. I wasn't a big. I don't know anything about it, so and that's going to be exposed tomorrow when I'm when I'm talking to Laura Banks about this because I don't I I don't know nothing about it. Yeah, she'll, uh, probably, she'll probably tell some stories William Shatner's not telling. Yeah. <laughs> For William Shatner fans out there, uh, you should check out a movie from. <laughs> from like 1975 it's called big bad mama so yeah. uh, uh shatner and angie dickinson it's like a soft core porn yeah <laughs> they well, don't she, make... was in, she was in a no not she wasn't in tj hooker what was that show she was on um she was a detective oh yeah yeah it was uh, on at the same time damn i can't remember Earl i don't Hall. remember it i remember that she had the show Hall, and... yeah and angie dickinson yeah i can't remember Police story, was it yeah. police story? Something like that. But yeah, you're right. Shatner, man, he's a. They should make a movie about him, man. Just all the definitely crazy should definitely. He's a, a character, and his his long body of work is definitely worth well, how, uh, coming. How old is how old is the lady that's going to be on your show tomorrow? I don't know. I didn't get her age, but she's got to be got to be older than me. Unless he was having sex with a freaking twelve year old back in the. 60s or whatever yeah she's got to be old enough to well i don't know she might have been in that porn ring that was uh in hollywood back in the <laughs> mel gibson's making the movie about yeah. she's got to be at least uh 10 12 years older than me just to have been on star trek in the 60s so you know got to be at least in her 70s somewhere at least we'll see yeah i have to watch that just to see yeah all right. Well, you have a, a good weekend. Thanks for being here. Uh, good you know, weekend. Uh, good week, I guess. And uh, tune in tomorrow. And if you have any anything to feed me from the chat room about what I should be talking to Jason about, I mean, I have some idea of, of where I want to go with it. But you know, I mean, any- just I would for for me because you get all these other comics on there, and you get like you had JP on there, uh, but. Um, Jason was actually the general manager of a comedy club for 10 years. Right. So he can give you the whole everything that the club owners hate, that, the, that, that what they're looking for, what they like. I mean, he can give you a perspective because he's not a comedian. Right. He doesn't come from the comedian background. So he can give you a, a more objective view. 
That's okay. interesting because he has had to have studied the art of uh, uh, stand-up comedy enough to understand uh, joke structure and all that kind of stuff. But he never, you know, I guess there's a lot of us who, who just don't do it. And he could, I, give you, he could probably give you some horror stories. You yeah. can say, you know, without telling names or whatever, who are some of the, some of the worst cases you've had to deal with? What are some of the worst things you've had to deal with as a club manager or something like that? Yeah. All right. Well, have a good day, good week, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. And you too, man. Take care. Keep sending me stuff to keep me thinking. <laughs> All, All right. right. See you later. Thank you for your service. RobertTaylorComedy.com. RobertTaylorComedy.com. Uh, I'll put that link in the description too. Uh, I was wearing the shirt a couple of days ago. What? One more? Oh, well, Saturday. I was wearing Robert's uh, Robert Taylor comedy, and uh, on the stream with um, Carl and Jamie, and they were both commenting, "Wow, that's that's a really cool shirt." The merch uh, that Robert has, the clothing, the the t-shirts. Top notch, great material. It, the print doesn't fade like the Rockin' Forty Fives crap does. <laughs> uh, good, good stuff. Uh, check it out and comfortable as shit. I mean, good, good stuff. Anyway, that's the show for you today. Uh, Knock 'em Dead comedy is coming up on uh, Comedy Podcast Network. I uh, just want to see. I do have a show tonight. I know I have a show tonight. Uh, just don't remember who the hell it was. <laughs> uh, where where are we? With July twelfth, uh, Matt Halton. Um, oh, we're talking tonight about a moneyless society. This should be a, an interesting one for me. Uh, a society without money. He's written a book about it. He's a believer in this um, concept of a moneyless society. Should be uh, a good conversation, um, maybe a mind-opening conversation. I don't know how it plans to work. We'll find out about all of that uh, tonight. So tune in 8 p.m. tonight. Until then, uh, I'm just going to remind you that uh, you should always uh, remember to turn on your radio. Bye for now.
me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, 